We're in this sermon series right now called Moments. Have you guys heard of it? It's been good. I'll be honest. It's been good. Um, it was it was one of those things where, um, I mean, we try to not just be spirit-filled as a community. We do our best to also be spirit-led as a community. And one of the interesting things about um, when God drops a word into our spirit as a church, I see that word everywhere. And for the last month, I have been seeing the word moments all over the place. And then on team night, how many of you came to team night? A lot of you. So you might be disappointed in the message today. Um, Because I'm preaching a message that you've already heard. But there's a big difference in hearing a message and getting a message. It's not saying that you haven't got it, but I think some of the best things in the kingdom of Jesus cannot be taught. They must be caught. And so we're in an atmosphere today where God is moving. You guys know that, right? Would it totally creep you out if I was like, I genuinely feel that like there's actual angels in the room we believe that in a religious sense like oh I have a guardian angel and you do I believe that but like I just think God loves his angels to be around things he's doing they love to be around it and I think ordination today was a special day and I'm like I feel genuinely like heaven is in the room watching this moment you know it's a moment like guys If you haven't recognized it so far, you've already experienced a moment. Rick and Maggie experienced a moment. You're experiencing a moment. And if you've yet to have a real, true, transformative moment so far in this service, I am telling you, you are about to have a moment. And if you agree with that, just say amen. So what we're doing is we're looking at the scripture and, and we're examining moments. Now, last week we looked at Exodus 33 and I told you guys, I basically begged God to allow me to preach from Exodus 33 when he told me that we were doing a sermon series called Moments. I was like, you have to let me preach from Exodus 33. I love the moment when Moses says, please show me your glory. And so, you know, like any decent Bible student, I began to read the story in context. How many of you did your homework last week and you read Exodus 32, you read Exodus 33, and you read Exodus 34? Nobody's going to be bold enough. Oh, Josh did. Yes. Man after my own heart, man, I tell you. I think we're both like closet nerds. Like nobody really knows that about us, but we just love to study and to read. And uh, so Exodus 32, 33, 34 in context is quite a wonderful series of moments. And so in Exodus 33, I was reading through that chapter and I read verses 7 onward until Moses has the encounter that we talked about last week. And I was fully convinced that last week I was going to preach the sermon that I'm about to preach to you guys today. 
but it just didn't work out that way. I felt like God was saying, no, preach on presence principles from Exodus 33. And then it just so happened that at team night, God showed up in a wonderful moment. And honestly, I could have not preached or said anything and it would have been a good service. Don't you love when you go to a service and you're like, I don't even need a teaching right now. Like I've I'm good, like I'm finished, I'm done, I'm transformed, I'm walking out of church a different person. You know what I'm saying? Uh, But it's good, we're transformed by worship and the word and we are a house that values both. We value both worship and the word. And and so I had this thought and and the thought is the sermon I'm gonna share with you guys this morning. Um, I had this thought that in Exodus 7, as Moses goes to his tent, that there was just something significant about his journey from the camp to the tent, that he was consistently and rhythmically experiencing God in moments in his tent. And so I just had to tease this out, study it up. I shared it at team night. If you came to team night, I'm sorry that you're getting another message on Exodus 33, but just buckle up, bear with me. Let's go all in, let's go together. Because regardless if you've heard the sermon before, the spirit that God wants to anoint uh, the place with today is uniquely special and different. still got oil all over me it's a good sign all right so we're going to read exodus 33 verse 7 through 11 so i'm going to pull it up here and uh just read it along with me if you have your bible you can open it up it's esv so if you have a preferred version go ahead and open yours up in your phone or your physical bible but we're going to read verse 7 through 11 together now moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. I love that Moses chose to establish for himself a place that he could get away from the crowd, that he could get away from the community and go to a place of his own called the tent of meeting and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp whenever Moses went out to the tent all the people would rise up everybody say rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent when Moses entered the tent the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent all the people would rise up everybody say rise up we need Andre Day here today to sing rise up you guys ever heard that song before That'll hit you in the feels. Rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then there's this just tacked on to the end. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from 
the tent. So I want to preach, teach, talk to you today from the subject of get to the tent. Get to the tent. Look at your neighbor and say, get to the tent. Look at the person on the other side. Say, get to the tent. Now tell them, say, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Get to the tent. Get to the tent. I'm telling you, man, there is just something about that tent. Something about that tent. This was the place that Moses used to go, and he would talk to the Lord face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. That's what Exodus chapter 33, verse 11 said. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, Moses was a world changer. Anybody else in here, you're like, I want to be a world changer. I want to live a life of great significance. I want my life to count for something. I want to make a difference. I want to leave the world a better place 100 years from now. If that's you, just say, that's me. Most of us long for the kind of impact that Moses had, but very few of us tend to display the dependency upon moments that Moses had. Moses knew where his help came from. Moses knew where he could go to have moments of encounter with God, and that place was called the tent of meeting. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can trace back every single significant moment in my life to a time in the tent. I don't know about you, but I can literally trace back every single significant season of my life to a moment in the tent weeping snot dripping you know what i'm saying broken you know everybody wants to have breakthrough but few people are willing to be broken. But I'm telling you this morning, church, that breakthrough is always preceded by brokenness. Breakthrough is always preceded by a hashtag moment in the tent. There is a moment, a time that you have in the tent that impacts and influences your life, your world, and the atmosphere that you carry, that produces breakthrough in your world and in your life. Can anybody else trace back significant seasons of your life to a moment in the tent? You're like, man, that's when everything changed right there. I don't even know if I was hungry for God, but God was hungry for me. He came looking for me. I went to church. I went to a conference. I went to a revival. I didn't even want to go. My friend brought me. And then God crashed in on me and I had a moment. And as a result of that moment, it established momentum in my life. And it produced breakthrough in my life, in my career, in my family, in my relationships, in my ministry. I'm telling you, great breakthrough is always preceded by brokenness in a moment in the tent. And this, guys, is something that we all need to be praying into continually. Yeah. 
is to have moments in the tent. We must pray into the possibility of us consistently having moments with God in the tent. Encounters that change our lives. And and the Bible says that, that Moses used to speak to the Lord face to face as a man speaks to his friend, right? And so there is a link there, but we have to catch it. The face-to-face encounter is connected to a type of relationship that the Word of God says is friendship. We're like, man, I want to I change the world like Moses changed the world. I want to live a life of significance like Moses lived a life of significance. I want to rescue slaves, people from human trafficking. I mean, Moses was an abolitionist. You know, he freed slaves. Come on, man, that's awesome. I want to do that. We all want the impact that Moses had, but we neglect the relationship that Moses gave himself to. You have to understand that there is a link there. There is a link between face-to-face encounters that change our lives and friendship. We can't just seek the impact that Moses had, we also have to seek the friendship that Moses had. Because face-to-face encounters are reserved not just for religious, ritualistic patrons. Face-to-face encounters are reserved for intimates. Face-to-face encounters are reserved for friends of God. Let me ask you a question. How is it that you speak to your friends? Do you have that kind of relationship with God? You know, are, are you sinning retail and confessing wholesale? You know? You know what I'm saying? Like, or do you have that raw, that real, that heart-to-heart brokenness in connection? Like, God, I just got to get to you. If I could just talk to you, I know things would shift in my life. Some of us have friends like that. We pick up the phone. We're like, if I could just talk to that person, I know that my life would shift. The problem is we're more passionate about connecting with those people over the phone sometimes than we are connecting with God in a moment. Through the presence. And Moses, this world changer, this man of great significance, this abolitionist, this man who left us, this wonderful legacy of faith, he understood where his strength come from. He understood his dependency upon Father God, and that was found in the tent. And, you know, I don't want to just give you a leadership message in here because you may be thinking, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You're a kingdom leader. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus is upon you. The spirit of Jesus is within you. You are called and anointed to write history. You're called and anointed to change the world. You're called and anointed to make a difference. You're called and anointed to have impact on the city, to have impact on our generation. If you believe that, just say, that's me. And it's true. And Moses understood the power of moments, which is why he decided to build himself a tent. Now, notice as the Bible talks about the tent, it doesn't even say a tent. It says the tent. I mean, this tent was so significant that the community watched Moses walk out to it. And they said, there he goes, going to the tent again. This tent 
was of such great significance, not just to Moses as an individual, as a friend of God, but it had great significance to everybody who followed Moses. It had great significance to Moses' community because they understood that this was a man, not just their friend who they knew from a distance, not just their leader, their shepherd, but they knew that this was a man who is a friend of God because we so often see him journeying to the Right? And so every day, you know, he's going out there. Every day, he's seeking God. Now, I just built myself a tent. It's called a home gym. And uh, it's awesome. I built um, a squat rack four feet from my standing desk. And it was intentional. So that I could write sermons. Boom. One. Because I'm just, I like that. You know, that's my tent. That's where I go to have communion with God. That's where I go to have a moment. Do you have a tent? Let me ask you a very serious question today. Have you established for yourself a tent? Should you examine and consider, have you built yourself a tent? And that, that's really point one of the message today which is build yourself a tent if you're going to live a life of impact if you're going to make a difference if you're going to be a world changer if you're going to do things like Moses did things here's what is required you need to build yourself a tent Exodus 33 and 7 now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off from the camp and he called it the tent of meeting Moses established a tent for himself and this is what we could refer to as a prayer closet build yourself a tent do you have a prayer closet people knew about Moses's prayer closet do people know about your prayer closet Moses's family Moses's wife Moses' kids knew about his prayer closet. Does your family, does your kids, does your spouse know about your prayer closet? Or is this just a ritualistic, religious, patronizing act that we do from Sunday to Sunday, fighting, arguing all the way to church? You know, punching our time clock like we did our duty. Do you have a tent? Build yourself a tent. Moses' tent was private, but it was not a secret. Our prayer lives, our secret place, our prayer closets are supposed to be private, but not secret. People are supposed to know that you have a tent. In the same way that the community knew that Moses had a tent, people should look at your life and say, there they go again. Back to the tent. There they go again. I invited them to go to the movies on Friday night, but they have already set a date with the Lord. And there they go again, back to the tent. They can't never go out and have brunch with me because their time in the tent is 11 a.m. because that's when they get a break from work. And there they go again, back to the tent. Your kids should wake up in the morning and hear the sound of you praying and say, Dad is in the tent. Build yourself a 
tense. Some of you guys already know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you guys, some of the most memorable moments of my childhood was waking up. and, And, you know, I'd get up before school and it'd still be dark outside. And I'm coming down the steps and I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes. And there was my pops, Jeff Phillips, over in the corner, knelt down in the armchair. Father, I worship you. I bless you. Bless my son today. Bless my children. Bless my wife today. Bless our church. Bless our community. Dad was in his tent. Build yourself a tent. How do you build yourself a tent? Let me tell you how you build yourself a tent. This is how you do it. You designate a specific place. Everybody say place. That you will go to meet with God. You designate a specific place that you will go to meet with God. How many of you guys have a specific place, a location? Maybe that's your car, right? That's your commute. You got my phone there? This was something I saw this morning, um, and I took a screenshot of it because I was like, man, that is so good, and that goes along with my message. I have to share that. Rabbi David Wolpe. Interesting last name. He, he, he shared the story. When he was a child, the seer of Lublin, later a famous Hasidic master, used to go off into the woods by himself. When his father worried, asked him why, he said, I go there to find God. His father said to him, but my son, don't you know that God is the same everywhere? The boy replies, God is, said the boy, but I'm not. That's a word. Designate for yourself a place where you're going to go to meet with God. Is that your table at 6 a.m. in the morning? Is that, is that your home gym? You know, what is that for you? Is that your backyard? What is that place? Is it your actual Closet, build yourself a tent. You know, I I looked into uh, the original meaning. Why in the world did Moses say, he said, this is my tent, the tent of meeting. You know, I I love how like sacred and, and formal things are in the Old Testament, but I'm always curious. I'm like, why did they name it that? Why did he name it the tent of meeting? So I looked it up in the original language. And you know what the tent of meeting means? The tent of the appointed time. So I want you to recognize something here about Moses' tent. Is that his tent wasn't just about a place. His tent was also about a time. So Moses had a specific place that he would go to commune with God and he also had a specific that he would go to commune with God. Moses developed a rhythm of encounter in his life. For Moses, moments with God were not as spontaneous as moments with God are for us. When we don't have a specific time, when we don't have a specific place, when we don't have a scheduled rhythm to commune with God, moments, encounters, moments of brokenness that produce great breakthrough in our lives happen spontaneously. 
They happened sporadically. But Moses had a hunger about him. He would not tolerate a frayed connection. He moved into a friendship. And so he scheduled this routine time with God where he would go. A rhythm. A daily rhythm into the tent of meeting. Essentially, he scheduled a FaceTime with God. I love that. We're going to have a FaceTime at 6 a.m. Here's point two. Set a time for the tent. Build yourself a tent is point one. Point two is set a time for the tent. How do you do that? Here's how you do it. Schedule an immovable time to meet with God every single day. I don't have time to meet with God. Well, your Netflix browsing history has determined that was a lie. (laughs) Your screen time app has incriminated you. You have time to do the things that are important to you to do. We all have the same amount of time and some of the most productive, some of the most busy people I know have a scheduled appointment to meet with God every single morning. I think morning is one of the best times to do it, but if you have to work early, maybe you can do it at night after you put the kids to bed. Just get alone. Schedule a time. What is that time? Is that your commute? Is that your lunch break? Is that your coffee break? What is it that you might need to cut out to ensure that each and every day you have a scheduled appointment in your tent? You must, you need, do it today, do it right now. Designate a specific place that you will go to meet with God. Do it today. Schedule an immovable time to meet with God every single day and don't touch it. You know, one of the interesting things for me as a pastor is, is sometimes people walk up in the altar and they say, hey, could I get coffee with you? And it breaks my heart to be like, no. I'm telling you, it's so hard for me, guys. If I've ever told you no for a coffee, I'll wash your feet after this. It's, it's very hard for me because I'm like, I know you want to me- I want to meet you. I like you. I, I got so much stuff going on, man. It's very hard. Like, email Sarah. We'll schedule it out, you know, a few weeks later, whatever. You know, it's so difficult. But one of the easiest things to do is when somebody says, hey, let's get a coffee. When are you free? I'm only free 7.30 a.m. on Thursday morning. I'm like, that's my time that I've set for the tent. But I can tell you really want to meet, so delete event. It's getting real. And see, that's the thing. As I've matured, as I've grown in my focus, as I've decided to have an impact on my generation, I've started to say, no, I'm sorry. You're important. You could provide opportunity for me. You could give me a leg up in ministry. You may help me build my influence. No. Because I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the tent. It doesn't come from an influential person. It doesn't come from my boss. 
It doesn't come from that friend who I'm really not friends with. I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not so that I could be connected to them so they could give me opportunity. It does not come from them. No, it comes from one place and one place only. That is the tent where the father is, where the father comes to meet with you, where you establish a rhythm of moments in the tent. I can't help but to imagine what the picture, what the scene looked like whenever Moses started to leave the community. You know, I see him wearing his robe. Maybe he's got a big staff in his hand and he decides to go out on this hike to the tent. And it was far enough away to where the Bible actually says it's far away. Okay, it's not just like in his backyard. You know what I mean? He's like, he's hiking. He's got a cliff bar. He's hiking. You know, it's a, it's a ways away. You know, he starts moving towards the tent. What starts to happen? People's heads start to. My leader's going to the tent. And they start getting drawn. What's, he going, what's going to happen in the tent today? All my leaders seeking the Lord. Hold on just a second. Hey, turn the, turn the grill off. Um, Moses is walking towards the tent. And then you start to, hey, Moses is walking towards the tent. Hey, hey, do you, do you see Moses? He's walking towards the tent. And you could almost see the people of Israel. It says those who sought the Lord, the people who needed an answer from God. See, Moses would make judgments from the tent door. He would settle disputes from the tent door. If you're a leader and you're looking for how, if you're looking for a way, if you're looking for a strategy, can I tell you this? All direction comes from the tent. And so Moses would step out and there would be people surrounding him and they'd be looking, what happened? What did you hear? Did you ask him about my case? Did you ask him about my son? Did you ask him about my circumstance? Did you ask him? What is your judgment? What is your instruction? What is your wisdom? What is the direction that you think that I should go? Moses had so much pressure on him. We think we're busy. He was leading an entire nation. He was pastoring thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And he knew where his help would come from. Which is why when he started on toward the tent, the people would start to look around. See, you have to understand that the tent is a qualifier for leadership. The presence of God is a qualifier for leadership. You know why? Because it's a purifier. The reason that the presence of God is a qualifier for leadership is because the presence of God is a purifier for our hearts. So we're not leading from a place of selfish ambition. We're not leading from a place of wanting to be in charge. We are seeking the Lord. And here's what I can guarantee you about, you know, a faith leader. People seek leaders that seek the Lord. Let me say it again. People seek leaders that seek the Lord. And this is something I've had to come to terms with. You know, as a young pastor, I mean, when we started ministry in Nashville, I was 26 years old. There was, it's, it happens. People literally leave reviews on our Facebook page. I saw them. Just a bunch of kids. You know, and you're like, I can't get any older any quicker. You know, it's like some people dye their hair to get rid of the gray. I was thinking about dyeing my hair gray. You know, just a bunch of kids in there, you know, 
But here's the thing. It does not matter how old you are because the presence of God is the greatest variable for kingdom leadership. People seek leaders that seek the Lord. I don't care if you're 4, 14, or 84. If you've sought the Lord for me and you've come out of the tent with a word for me, I'm all ears. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what color your hair is. I don't care if you wear a three-piece suit or you walk around in rainbow hippie flip-flops. I am listening to what you have to say because you have talked to God on my behalf. Leaders seek the Lord because people seek leaders that seek the Lord. If you'll spend time in the presence, you'll be a trusted voice in their lives. The more time you spend in the tent, the more qualified you are to lead. Exodus 33 and 8. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would. And each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. Notice that when Moses prayed as the leader, it was significant for the people that followed. When you pray as a leader, it is significant for the people that you lead. Your devotion affects your disciples. Uh, let me say it like this because some people are like, well, I'm not discipling anybody. I'm not even that powerful. Your devotion affects your kids. Your devotion affects your coworkers, the people God's put in your path for you to disciple. Your devotion affects the atmosphere that you carry and everybody who is around you. If you rarely spend time in the tent, why would you expect God to trust you to lead his people? If you're aspiring to leadership, if you're aspiring to be a kingdom influencer, if you don't spend time with God, why do you think God would trust you to lead his people? I can't trust you to lead my people. You don't spend enough time with me to lead them in the way that I would like you to. So while you're over at Kinko's trying to print off business cards, I need you. <laughs> I need you to get to, y'all help me preach this, the tent. <laughs> get to the tent. Go ahead, give three people a little pound it. Say, get to the tent. Get to the tent. Get to the tent. Get to the tent. That's it. That's it. Look, God does not give great disciples to poorly disciplined, devotion-lacking, spiritually puny leaders. That's rough, wasn't it? God doesn't give great disciples to poorly disciplined, devotion-lacking, spiritually puny leaders. You know why? Because you cannot take people to places you've never been. If you've not been to the tent yourself, good luck walking a crowd to the tent with you. You cannot take people to where you've never been. Notice the Bible says that as he went to the tent, all the people would watch, would watch. They didn't say they would listen. They said they would watch. People are watching you. People are watching your devotion. People are watch, watching your passion to get to the tent. People are watching. They're saying, we're watching. And some of us were like, I want to be a world changer. I want to make a difference. I want to leave a great legacy. I want to do all these awesome things. Well, people are watching you. People are watching you, and you do not reproduce what you say. You reproduce who you are. 
people are watching you. If you'll devote yourself to the dwelling place of prayer, you'll begin to influence other people's dwelling places, their home. Did you notice that the fathers, and and Rick had a word this morning about fathers, which I thought was really awesome. Uh, The fathers would get up and they would stand at their tent doors and they would watch Moses, which I think is a link. I think there's a significant link right there. If you want to influence whole families, if you want to uh, influence fathers, if you want to influence the next generation, the way you go to the tent matters because people watched Moses. They said, oh, I would like to give Moses access to influencing my family with his words from God. And I know because he's gone into the tent and the pillar has descended that he is communing with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he has free access to this entire family unit. Because you know the kind of people that I want around my kids? Intimates. People with a word from the Lord. People who've spent time with God. I have no problem allowing those people to influence my kids. Come on in. Here you go. The door is open. If you want to influence my kids, you've spent time with God. I'm open to it. Because as a father, I'm protective. I'm protective, right? But friends of God, intimates, people who've had encounters... Their, their influence is welcome in my home, which is where I'm going to go to, to point three, which is this. Your impact is connected to your intimacy. Your impact is connected to your intimacy. Remember this, low intimacy, low impact. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent Notice that whenever Moses went in, his community would rise up. Your impact is linked to your intimacy. Whenever you enter in, your community rises up. Whenever you enter in, your family rises up. Whenever you enter in, your friends rise up. Some of you guys can never figure out why in the world am I going bananas right here during worship. Because I know that the way I go in determines how you rise up. And whoever it is that you're influencing, whoever it is that you're leading, let me tell you this. How you go in determines how they rise up. When leaders go in, the community rises up. That's why I don't hold back. I go all the way in. Because I don't want you to come in here on Sunday and just peek into the tent. I want you to go in and explore. I want you to have a moment. I don't want you to just watch me and say, oh, he had a great moment with God. Come on, we spent too much time doing that, guys. Getting our kicks off watching other people have their moment. I call that spiritual pornography. But we'll move on from that. But, you know, we watch other people have intimacy. As a substitute for our own. It's too deep. That's too, I shouldn't have done that. It's Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning. Sunday morning. We can't talk like that on Sunday morning. We have to have a moment for ourselves. And know something that your moment determines how the people who are following you rise up. Having moments with God is how you become anointed by God. If you will not seek God for you, what makes you think other people will believe you'll seek God for them? I don't want to follow somebody who's not seeking God. 
and neither does anybody else. Big intimacy equals big impact. Let me say it like this. As you consistently meet with God, here's what I want you to do. Turn on and turn up your expectations. As you build yourself a tent, as you set a time for the tent, I want you to upgrade your expectations. Because spending time with God brings God's anointing upon your life. So upgrade your expectations and begin to watch how God moves through you to bless the world around you in a much greater way. The impact you'll have out there is determined by the intimacy you have in there. You guys connecting with this this morning? Verse 11, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now, I love this. I personally love this because Moses invited his disciple into the tent with him. He invited his son in the ministry into his intimacy. If you're going to take on a son or a daughter into your ministry, let me tell you the best way to start. By inviting them, not into your ministry, by inviting them into your intimacy. I can tell you guys one of the greatest moments I had as an armor bearer. We don't even do that anymore. We need to bring that back. Some of you guys don't even know what an armor bearer is. It's like a glorified intern where you work a lot for free, you know. But you, you serve and you learn. And some of my greatest moments as an armor bearer was not watching my pastor preach. It was not watching him lay hands on people. That was awesome. It was not watching him prophesy. It was not watching him teach mysteries from the scripture. It was in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. in the morning in a dark chapel on 51st Avenue North in Austin, Texas when he wrapped himself up in a blanket at 1 a.m. and would walk through the aisles of the pews. And all by himself just pray. All by himself just worship. Because there's something that takes place when you watch somebody else's intimacy in the relationship of a disciple. You start, you know, breaking through and receiving the victory of the battles that they've already fought and won. You start stepping into a bigger atmosphere. You start stepping into a bigger realm, a greater understanding of how God works and how people connect with God face to face as a man talks with his friend. And then all of a sudden it's available to you and you start operating at a higher level. I saw this just recently and I'm closing with this. This is my last point, closing with this. I saw this just recently. Um, and it's funny, um, Maddie came over on Friday to the home gym to the tent and uh, we were doing some squats and uh, you know working on TRX bands y'all know what those are the devil and um, and you know we, we're, we're just worshiping so we're like okay we're working out and worshiping you know and uh, what happens the kids come in you know Isaiah comes in Remy comes in Remy's a little soaker in the presence man if she sees you praying she'll be like pick me up, and she'll just lay her head down. And for as long as you want to pray, she'll cuddle. And, and Remy ain't like that. So some of y'all know her, and she'll hit you with the stank face, but it's not the worship stank face. It's get up out of my grill face, right? And Remy came in, and see, see, uh, your disciples are attracted to your tent. They, they want to know how you commune with God. Everybody and their mom right now is trying to figure out how to do time with God. We're trying to figure out how do we do time with God? 
It's because we don't have people, moms and dads, that are opening up their intimacy and inviting people into their tent. Invite your disciples into your intimacy. Invite them into your tent. Because what ends up happening is what's happening in you starts happening in them. I have a tent that is a, is a moving tent. That's one of the things I love about tents in general is the ability to move them. And uh, it's, it's, it's our Ford Explorer. And so every morning as I take Isaiah to school, I worship and I, I invite my son into the tent. Sometimes he's like, Dad, I'm like, you hearing from the Lord, son? Play Old Town Road. Son, we're worshiping. It's true. Play yum yum breakfast burrito. Son, we're in the tent. You know, I'll lift my hands safely. I'm driving safely. You know, we're at a stoplight. Hallelujah. Lord, we welcome you. Lord, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Lord, you're merciful. God, you're good to us. Lord, you're going to be good to us today. Lord, you're going to be good to us today. Fill this place with your presence, God. Fill this tent with your glory, God. We're hungry for more of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And sometimes I'll see him back there. I say, lift his hand. He's in my tent. Hallelujah. Isaiah, isn't God good? Um, <laughs> hallelujah that's true so we're listening to a worship song the other day and, and I'm just I didn't even feel like worshiping that day I, I honestly almost gave in to Old Town Road and I was like you know I want to listen to Old Town Road today too can't nobody tell me you know, and I was like, no, I'm going to turn on worship. I'm going to turn on YouTube. I'm going to listen to Maverick City. And I'm, I'm worshiping. And I'm like, hallelujah, Lord, we love you today. Even when we don't feel like it, we give you praise. And, and Moses, uh, Moses, it's prophetic. Y'all don't know, but it is. God spoke to me that my son would be a deliverance prophet in the womb when I didn't even know he was a boy. And so he's in the back seat, Isaiah. And he says, Dad, I know how to speak in tongues. Now, he's four. So I'm thinking, I don't know. He, no, he don't, you know. And I say, let it rip. And he just goes, and I'm thinking he's probably just mimicking me you know and it hit me that because I had invited him into my intimacy he had stepped into my tent that the same spirit was resting upon me 
after all of these years and all of the battles and all of the times that I've had to walk away from the crowd when I didn't feel like it, all of the moments that I had with God when I said, I'm sorry, guys, I got to leave where I am because I got to get to where I'm going. I'm headed to the tent. All of the sacrifices I made between community and tent, all of the battles that I fought between the crowd and the tent, all of the benefits of my secret history with God, my four-year-old starts to enjoy. Four years old. And that's point four. Your intimacy determines your legacy. Leave more than money for the next generation. Leave more than possessions for the next generation. Leave more than opportunity for the next generation. Leave more. Leave a spiritual legacy of faith. Leave a spiritual legacy of intimacy. Invite your kids. Invite your disciples. Invite the next generation into your tent so that they can have the kind of encounter that you've had. And take it to the next level for the next generation. So if you're wondering what to take home today, there's three final points. You can write them down if you want. Designate a specific place that you will go to meet with God. Point two is schedule an immovable time to meet with God every single day. Now expect, everybody say expect. Expect God to move through you to change the world. Start to expect it. Turn on the lens of faith and look for the miraculous. Start looking for it. So we step into the tent and we close the door. We say, here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. And there you are, Lord. (laughs) There you are, Lord. You're beautiful. You're awesome. We love you. But for some of you guys, today has been a day that is not only special, it's sacred, where you regained access to the tent. If you're in this room right now and you came here this morning seeking God, you're lost. You're not saved, you need to come home, repent of your sin, rededicate your life to Jesus. Just for one moment before we dismiss, if that's you in here, would you just lift your hand courageously? Nobody's looking around, it doesn't actually matter. Awesome, I see you in the back. Anybody else? We're gonna, we'll pray right now, come on. Now's the time, anybody else? Awesome, I see you, amazing, amazing, awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, let's go. So we all pray as a community, Jesus, I repent of my sin. Wash me with grace. I come home today. I place my stake in the tent all my life. I belong to you in Jesus' name. Can we just lift up a big round of applause to Jesus? We love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord.